What's up everybody, Tara Wellman here. I know it has been a while and I know this seems like a weird time for a series preview. Well, it's not exactly a series preview, but the Cardinals, as everyone else did, wrapped up the unofficial first half of the season with the first win of the Mike Schilt era in St. Louis Cardinals history as, yes, the St. Louis Cardinals dismissed Mike Matheny, Bill Miller, and John Mabry before the All-Star break. So there's plenty to talk about there, but we'll get to that. Today, though, I'm very excited to welcome in someone who can talk with me more generically about the crazy things that have happened in baseball's first half. We'll talk a little bit about the All-Star game. We'll talk a little bit about some weird baseball pet peeves, and who knows what other general awesomeness we will get into today. I'm very excited to have with me right here for Bird Seeds at Birds on the Black, Jessica Kleinschmidt from MLB's Cut 4. Well, Jessica, I'm very excited to chat with you as we head into this All-Star Week. So first of all, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So obviously there's a lot going on with Cardinals baseball right now, which was not what I expected to be saying going into the All-Star break. Um, We'll get to a lot of other stuff uh, as we go along here. But first of all, Cardinals fans all want to start there. What is the reaction uh, from your perspective of this team that going into the All-Star break just dismissed uh, (laughs) their, their manager and their hitting coach and assistant hitting coach? I'm not, I'm not that shocked. At first I was, I think once the shock wore off, you kind of realized this kind of makes sense. And if you look at what Mike Matheny says, somewhat taking the high road. And I know Cardinals fans are somewhat relieved from what I've seen. Um, but I think anytime you fire a manager, fans are going to kind of stop after they're like, they're either going to be happy about it or upset, or they're just going to say, okay, what's the next step? And I always like when the interim manager steps up to the plate, no pun intended. Obviously, I've been following the Reds a lot. I'm obsessed with Joey Votto. So I've I've liked when an interim manager can prove himself um, when you're dealt these cards. And it's been a really struggling season for the Cardinals, as as you know. Um, You mentioned there hasn't been a lot to talk about. And um, all of a sudden, boom, this happens. And then, you know, Fowler hits a home run today. And that was kind of funny to to hear about as well. Um, But from an outsider perspective, I wasn't too shocked once I saw the announcement it happened um, in front of from what I've seen from Cardinals fans I think it was a long time somewhat of a long time coming um, and like I said when it comes to firing a manager plus hitting and, and whatever type of coaches these are to fire a few as opposed to an entire team um, but I'm hoping it works out um, I think think that Cardinals fans are the most passionate fans in baseball period whether it's a negative or a positive reaction I think that is super important in baseball so as long as they're happy with it in the in the long run I think it'll be okay but I think a fresh start coming back from the all-star break is exactly what they needed it's such a weird thing when you mentioned the Reds um, in a very similar situation this year obviously Riggleman taking over as the interim manager there I always feel like it's such a strange situation to be in for that guy because I would say almost always it's not just the manager that's the problem. Um, You know, a lot of times there are roster issues or guys that are underperforming or, you know, whatever the other circumstances may be. So all of a sudden you're the guy who's now supposed to fix all of that (laughs) when you don't really have the, the greatest product to work with anyway. So I do think it's an interesting, um, 
interesting challenge. Uh, Mike Schilt, who was the bench coach, is the interim manager now for the Cardinals. And from everything that I've ever heard anyone say about him, he's got this brilliant baseball mind, um, which I think is kind of funny because that's not what anyone ever said about Mike Matheny. Um, right. They talked about his his people skills or his leadership ability, but not his uh Which his is fine to a certain extent. You can be great with the media, but I, sometimes people don't really care about that. Like, Aaron Boone's great with the media, and, and that was the only thing that I was worried about heading into the season. Like, cool, he can handle the media, but is he going to be a good coach? And he's obviously, I like his age, I like everything like that, so maybe they do need one of those brilliant baseball minds who may not be such a people person, or I don't know, you know his personality that well, but you never really know. So if you have something different, obviously what was working, what was happening wasn't working. So this could be what they need to be like, boom, I love second halves. Because there's always that, that those few guys, and then obviously the teams that kind of make it different. You know, Kyle Seeger last year had an amazing second half. You're kind of sitting there like, where the hell did this guy come from? And I love that. So maybe it'll happen with the Cardinals. Because I can't tell you, I I really want something good to happen. They may, you know, obviously the World Series may not happen, but I just I really feel bad for for fans, and I, I just hope something good comes out of it. It's a really interesting time, too, because uh, when you look at the, the start to the second half for the Cardinals, they play the eight of the first 11 games of the second half are against the Chicago Cubs, who just recently took over the division lead. The Brewers are scuffling. They've got a lot of injured players right now. So as as problematic as the first half has been for the Cardinals, um, baseball-wise, the division is still up for grabs, I think. None of those teams have really stepped up to claim it. So, And then when you have eight games right off the top of the second half against the team that you're trying to catch, um, right. I mean, if there's ever a, a time to, to take advantage of some of those changes that have made, it seems like there's a, a golden opportunity there. Cardinals have been really good at not taking advantage of those opportunities, yeah. uh, but it's there if, if, uh, if things start clicking. <laughs> well, it's an interesting division, like you said, like, like, Obviously, heading into this season, the Yankees were certainly the team that everybody was talking about. Once the, uh, J.D. Martinez went to the Red Sox, that was a team as well, and the Houston Astros. But then, and then the Cubs are always a team in discussion. No matter how stacked the rest of the teams are, the Cardinals are never out of the discussion. Even You mentioned the Brewers, too. The Brewers got, you know, one day they got Yelich, and then, of course, Kane, and, and um, Miami was a distant relative or, or a distant memory when it came to Yelich, and that was great to watch. So that's the thing I like about the Cardinals. They're never not in the conversation, and that's what's, what's interesting because you have the – you could talk about every single team and you're going to leave out the Marlins. You're going to leave out certain, like the Padres, you never leave out the Cardinals. So I, it's always kind of interesting because you, you're listing these teams like, Oh my gosh, I forgot to mention the Cardinals. How can I not mention the Cardinals? So it's always interesting in that dynamic. So they may not be, like I said, the team that's going to make something interesting out of the postseason, but they're going to make it interesting for other teams. Like that one season where the Braves or the Reds, they won like 20 billion games in a row towards the end of the season. They were going to make the, the postseason, but they were going to piss off a lot of people on the way to the postseason. So they were like, well, you know what? We're not going to make it, but I'm going to make this some, some dramatic stuff. I feel like that's going to happen with them towards the end of the season. Yeah, I, I'm very curious now. I was a little worried because they'd gotten pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, really, starting last season, it really just carried over into this season. They brought in some guys like Dexter Fowler, like Marcelo Zuna, you know, trying to change yeah. it up, and it just wasn't working. So they got right. pretty monotonous uh, just in general to watch. So at, the, at least at this point, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens and, and who kind of steps up, who snaps out of these dramatically long slumps they've been in. Um, right. 
and so if if nothing else, I, I think the their role in the division, like you said, just got a, a little bit more interesting. And then, of course, you know, there's going to be lots of conversation about who the manager will be and who it should be and who might be available at the end of the year. And and Joe Girardi is a name that a lot of people are throwing around. Um, you know, I don't I don't know that he's that different than Mike Matheny, so I'm not sure that's really the right direction to go. But Man, there are going to be some interesting conversations to be had, that's for sure. <laughs> you mentioned the Reds, uh, and I want to <laughs> I want to bring up Joey Votto, because I have to tell you, as a lifelong, as a lifelong Cardinals fan, um, I've not been the biggest Joey Votto fan, <laughs> which uh, I think okay. is, is fair and reasonable, because that's just part of being a fan. But I have to, so I have to ask, tell me why I should be a Joey Votto fan. <laughs> So, no, it's a big question because I, I've always liked him. I was a fantasy analyst for years. I loved him as a baseball player. And when you're a fantasy analyst, you forget that these guys are humans, which is why I kind of got out of that industry because I, I really didn't like the person I was becoming. Um, and so when I got hired by Cut 4, I was noticing every week we were writing about Joey Votto. I knew he was a weird dude, like a, a different, unique type of dude. And but I wanted to do more in-depth stuff. So I did some research on him and I realized this guy not only speaks what, what's on his mind, but he's so intelligent and so, you know, outgoing and also talks about he's also intelligent when it comes to the sport, too. And it's so different, difficult to find that balance. And I've interviewed tons of players and he's just different. You know, you can talk to him about the game and you'll stop and listen to him. And there's this one clip that I wrote about last year. And or I think it was over spring training when he was talking LB Network and he was talking about how to hit just basically how to hit. And he wasn't just speaking to baseball players. He mentioned he's like, I'm also talking to young softball players, young women, young girls, young men trying to make it make it as a baseball player, a softball player. And you just sat there and listened to him. And I I, I played growing up. I was I, I was an awful coachable kid. I just never listened to my coaches. I just did my own thing, which is probably why I'm not playing in major league baseball right now because I didn't listen to my coaches, but it was just kind of that dynamic. And when he was talking, you just listen to him, but you also hear him talking about his day or his dog or just people on the team. And you listen to that too. So he gives you tons of cut for content, but he's also so intelligent about baseball as well so you can't really do that and he loves to mess with people and but I think so I think that's what's kind of important he kind of brings you know the old school baseball mentality but also the new fans that are being introduced to the sport uh, the millennials if you will and making it fun and you see him you know messing with the Phillies fans and people get so pissed off about that but that's part of it right so that's why I think everybody should love a Joey Votto type of person because he's a veteran, he's good at baseball, but he's also quirky and unique, and I've never come across any other athlete like him. He's the kind of player and the kind of person that I feel like I feel like if I didn't have the the baseball rivalry in mind, I would be all about it. Um, but there's yeah. there's just been that because you know he's he plays in the same division as the team that I grew up watching, and um, so there's been a little bit of that. But I, I do think it's fascinating the way that he, so many people in baseball uh, sort of gravitate to him because of all of that, um, yeah. and because he's personable enough that um, you know you don't have to root for his team to to be interested in what Joey Votto is doing. 
Um, which, as you mentioned, is great for cut four content. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think is so much fun about the work that you do with cut four is that there are so many little moments in baseball that um, kind of break up the <laughs> sometimes the monotony or the tension of uh, the the analysis that sort of sucks you in, um, which is a wonderful part of the game in and of itself. But um, sometimes those little moments. You mentioned Suarez today. He there was a foul ball that bounced in the camera well um, just to the right of the visitor's dugout. He caught it on the bounce and then like ran back into play and was trying to play it off like he caught the foul ball. It was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Uh, but there are little moments like that. There are also things um, that get fans pretty riled up, <laughs> one of them being bat flips. And yeah. this is something that I love talking about because I love bat flips. But um, let me tell you, the Cardinals have a, a reputation of being a little boring for a reason. <laughs> Not yeah. a lot of Cardinals fans love the theatrics that tend to right. come with uh, with bat flips. So I feel like I'm often in the minority. Um, this has become a hot topic again. It always seems to every every month or so somebody will bat flip in evidently the wrong scenario or against the wrong guy or in the. It feels to me like this is a lot uh, of. A lot of complaining about one of the things that's the most fun about baseball. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the Cardinals fan base is a very old school fan base. So I totally understand where they're coming from. Um, but you know, the bat flip was brought up just last night. Mark Canna, who I can't tell you, he's not the guy that's ever on cut four. He's not the guy to be doing the weird stuff. He's just, he's a foodie. He loves to eat and he loves to just go play baseball. He's a quiet guy. And to have him come out and say, I'm not sorry that I did a bat flip. Of course, they did it against the Giants, which is the Bay Area series, you know, Battle of the Bays, all of that. And that's not a huge, like a nasty rivalry, but, you know, Oakland's very um, fun when it comes to the social media stuff. So you see all of it. And um, so to do it against the Giants, I think it was a little bit, that's another kind of old school type of, you know, mentality when it comes to the fans. So I think that kind of added up. But I love that he was outspoken about that. I do love the bat flip. And I told you this coming into this, I was, the only thing that I feel bad about is the pitchers. And like I said, it's, it's no different from, okay, they hit a home run off of you. And now they're gonna bat flip. And that I could see where the pitcher might have like, oh, that's really annoying. Because from a player's perspective, the only time I've ever heard them complaining about it is the pitcher or maybe a manager every now and then because they're used to the old school baseball mentality. Um, but it, I can see that's like a rubbing in your face type of thing. But I love that. I think it's super important for baseball. Um, people are always complaining that baseball isn't fun, which I totally disagree. And I think that's cut for his main objective is to show you baseball is fun. We are high. Level. It's fun. If you don't think it is, that's fine. But um, it's just, you know, whatever. And so with that, with that dynamic, I think it's important to bring the theatrics into it. Sometimes it's a little much, but I, you know, I grew up an athlete. I know what it's like to have adrenaline and not really think when you're doing something, when you just scored a touchdown, just scored a play, just, you know, crossed home. So I totally understand it. But at the same time, I, I don't know if we'll ever find a balance. But if you notice, like, bat flips weren't great at the very beginning of this season, and I wasn't really sure why. Last year, the World Series, there was bat flips. There was so much theatrics. There was, like, I remember Game 5 changed my life. I think it took off years of my life. I was upset I wasn't a smoker because I needed a cigarette. I, it was just the craziest game of my life. And, and to see all that happening 
And for people to deny that energy because of a, of a bat flip, like I, I didn't understand that. So I don't understand, I don't respect people who like to bash in the bat flip, but I do respect people who have a weirdness about it to a certain extent because it's, it's a very non-progressive sport in certain ways. So I get that, but it's also going to be happening and changing. So buckle up buddies and girlies because it's happening. I just always think it's such a strange, and I get it. You know, the I think the premise behind not liking the bat flip is not wanting to show up the pitcher, and I get that. I think there's a weird dynamic there that that should be respected. But I also think this whole right. idea that bat flipping is disrespecting the game itself, <laughs> um, yeah, kind of just like it's so far removed to me from the fact that it's a game <laughs> and it's baseball yeah. and it's supposed to be fun and the fans in the stands are jumping up and going crazy. Um, so, you know, the players are feeling those same emotions and, and reacting, reacting in the moment is uh, something that I don't think should be, um, you know, frowned upon as far as well, and it happens in concerned. other sports all the time. Right. Like baseball, you have a, you baseball, you have a chance to kind of, you know, slow down and think about it. But football and basketball, it's so quick. These guys are doing crazy things, but it's okay when they do it. If a baseball player does it, it's like, you're disrespecting America's favorite pastime. And it's like, all right, guys, like, let them, let them be, let, just let them be. So other sports, they do it, and it's it's okay. Obviously, NFL, when they're celebrating, they're getting fined now, which I think is stupid. That's an awesome part of the game. But, you know, whatever. It's fine, I guess. <laughs> I, everybody's got an opinion. Everyone uh, certainly has that. Um you mentioned the A's. Obviously, you uh, are an A's fan. Cardinals fans have paid a lot more attention to the A's this year because of Stephen Piscotty. And as far as the first half goes, I feel like that has to be one of the most just incredible personal stories um, that I remember in in recent history as far as following a particular player through a specific thing and the way that he responded and the way the team responded and the way that the former fan base responded. And I, what has that been like following the Piscotti family and just the, the unimaginable story that they've been living through this year? Well, to know that baseball has a heart is great. And to know that there, that, the A's reached out. The Cardinals worked together too. People forgot that the Cardinals were a part of this deal as well. Like they wanted to send Piscotty to be near his mother who was, who was passing away. And not only was, was it great for the A's fan base who loves Steven as a player and to get a guy like that was great for the A's to kind of be like, cool. We, not only are we getting a good human being, but he gets to be reunited with his mom, but he's a hell of a player too. And that was a but the best that you could ever imagine. Like I said, the Cardinals were a part of that as well. And people, and we're seeing a tweet about that saying like, that was good, but remember the Cardinals were a part of this as well. And to add on top of it, you know, Piscotty comes back after his mom passes away and hits a home run. And um, they're against, they're playing the Astros and you look over at Bregman and Bregman who he shows emotion, but, but more of, of the bat flip type of personality. But he, you look over at him and he was golf clapping. He was like, this is, this is badass. And, and, um, the, you know, they just, just enveloped, you know, welcomed him with open arms and it's such a, they're such a great family. And, uh, it just reminds you that it's more than baseball. And, and that was great as well. And then obviously the A's are having a fantastic season. There's so much fun to watch and, and no, nobody ever takes the A's seriously when the team does do well. 
I love the reactions they get because nobody's ever expecting it. The A's are never a bad team. They're never a bad team. It's always just finding ways for them to, you know, work together. And it's their AL West has been a really low key, tough division. And um, except for this year, because, you know, they hosted two of the no hitters right off the bat. And so that's been great, but it's such a beautiful story and reminds you that it's more than just winning and losing. It's they're all humans and they all have families that they love and care about. And when you go out in the field and you hit a home run and you don't get goosebumps in those moments then you need to, you need to be a human. You don't have a heart. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are the moments where um, I think it doesn't matter what team you root for. You realize like these guys, there, there's something about being a fan um, of the sport and of the players yeah. and the athletes that uh, sort of transcends all of those rivalries, at least for a minute until you sort of come back down to earth a little bit and then everybody can, yeah. do, can do their 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 thing. But um, yeah, to me, that was one of the most amazing things to watch just from so many different angles of that story. And obviously, just completely heartbreaking. But um, to see the way people rallied around them was, uh, was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So we are at the All-Star break, which seems like it was never going to get here this year, but All-Star break, yeah. All-Star game is here. The festivities this week uh, have already started. The Futures game uh, was happening sometime today, and, and yeah. that'll be played. And then we'll have the Home Run Derby, and then, of course, the, uh, the All-Star game itself. Um, first of all, are you a fan of the, the All-Star week festivities? Some people are a little weird about not really caring about the All-Star game. <laughs> So, so I, I like the All-Star game, but I love the Home Run Derby. And I think it, the reason why is because, especially this year, there's a whole different roster of people. I love that. Um, you know, old faces and new faces, but I, I love when the new faces come because there's always that one guy. Like, like you know Max Muntz is going to come out there and hit, like, 7,000 <laughs> home runs. And there's always going to be, like, the guy, like, I told you so. Like, no, you didn't. Nobody called that. Like, stop. You know, so that's my favorite part because, like I said, like, I mean, the Josh Hamilton a decade ago when he hit, like, I think 7,462 home runs in that one round. Yeah. Like, that stuff happens, and I love it. And and there's always a guy who just makes it interesting. So I love that because the casual fan may not love the All-Star game because if you really don't know baseball and you, you're – boom, you're at Nationals Park. You're like, I don't know who any of these guys are. You're you're watching the Home Run Derby, and they're just like, oh, look at all these home runs being hit. Who doesn't love home runs? Like, that's awesome. They get to pick, you know, who they want to pitch to, and there's always a cute little story behind that. Um, if it's like a dad or, like, their BFF coach or, you know, their cousin twice removed who just is in town for the week. It's like, hey, I'll throw to you, sure. There's always a cool story from that aspect. Or, like, last year with Charlie Blackman, we was, like, hanging out with the girl that brought him Gatorade, and they had a cute little conversation. Like, you get the best of both worlds in the Home Run Derby. All-Star game's great. I get nervous because it's, play, it's play, played right in the middle of the season, and I worry the guys are going to get injured. And voting is stressing me out because it's hard to find a balance between numbers and fan voting. And, you know, I get it. You have to be a favorite. But, like, don't be voting my cousin who's playing in single A. Like, that. don't write him in. That doesn't make any sense. You know, like, don't do that. But I think that's why I like the home run derby because you get the best of both both worlds in, in regards to the competitive aspect, but the fun cut for stuff as well. I always feel like with the home run derby, I don't know, there's something 
about it where so many years I'm like, ah, all right, I'll watch the home run derby. And then, you know, the the first couple guys in the first round, I'm like, well, that was kind of boring when they only hit four or five home runs. And then there's that one guy or that one person in each round that just is mind boggling <laughs> with what they're able to do. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Turn and pose for the camera first and then go back to, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Right, right. <laughs> uh, and then whoever it is, like, dabbing them off with a towel, and you're like, that. okay. Uh, but I do. I, I always get sucked in uh, every year, even when I'm like, well, I'm not really sure I care about any of these any of these hitters this year. And then there's there's somebody. Like the that... series of poker or, like, X Games, like a random curling event, you're like, this is dumb. But the next thing you know, you're like. And then you're really into it. <laughs> Come on, hit one more. Placing <laughs> bets, like live tweeting it. Like, yeah, I get yeah. it. it happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the All-Star game, uh, I feel very similarly. I, I've never been a huge fan of sort of the weird disconnect between wanting to see the best players in the game and the obvious uh, popularity contest that fan voting becomes. I think one yeah. or the other is fine. Um, if you want it to be a fan exhibition where everybody just gets to see their favorite player on the field, I guess that's fine. Um, I think it sort of is a weird way to then play an actual game yeah. <laughs> where, uh, you know, you're not you're not really seeing the the best guys in the sport. It tends to be managed in a way that's really just to get everybody in the game, and and that's fine if you're the. Which is very little league. It's very little right. league where you know that you have to get your minimum amount of things. And... Yeah, yeah. It's just a very weird, not baseball baseball game. <laughs> yeah, there isn't a lot of competition, which right. I think is good because if you get too competitive, that's where injuries happen. Yeah. But I also like from a geeky perspective where it's nice to only honestly from a journalistic perspective to only cover one game is like hashtag blessed (laughs) like as opposed to like all 70 that are going on like "Ah, I can't I can't and just one you're just like okay okay you know but but at the same time you know it's their all-star game I was surprised at how much there wasn't to wasn't a lot to talk about because it's mainly like the fans that have fun with it or the, the commentators I love, the broadcasters have so much fun with it because they're having fun too. So low key, the broadcasters are probably one of the MVPs of the all-star game. It is fun because it's so totally different. And, yeah. and you know, nobody's really, you don't have to get like really deep into the analysis of the game because there's, there's nothing to analyze. <laughs> no one's going to yeah, run exactly. out. No one's going to run out a weak grounder. Um, you know, you're not trying to, <laughs> Pick up double digit strikeouts. You might go for two. Right. Really? <laughs> wow. Drop them from your fantasy team. Like, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, from that perspective, you're right. They do have to come up with, um, you know, other things to make it interesting. And I think that's a really fascinating process to watch um, as far as what they do to try to make it for the fans um, as opposed to about the game. I do, though, one thing that I do really enjoy is seeing first-time All-Stars. Um, because similar to watching Major League debuts, I don't care who it's for, I love watching that. Um, so first-time All-Stars are really fun because you feel like, regardless of you know what the, the result of that day is, this is a, a sort of a badge of honor so many of these guys have, have been working for. And there are a lot of... Take advantage. They, they let the moment so Yeah, good. yeah. As opposed to the guy who's like, this is his seventh All-Star game, and he's like, this is cool. Like, yeah, like, you know. Right, right. Um, 
and it's it's cool to see their reactions to things. Um, right. There are a lot of first time all stars this year. Uh, when I was looking at what the the final rosters were, which is going to be cool. Um, I know Cardinals fans um, were surprised when Miles Michaelis was an all star for them this season. Um, then Yadier Molina uh, was named to the team to replace Buster Posey, which I think is a really interesting dynamic because. Yadier Molina is one of those guys that's been there nine million times. Um, and then going with Miles Michaelis, who probably didn't start this year thinking that he had a chance at being an all-star. Um, so those are the kinds of stories that I do find really compelling. And, and it's really fun to watch them uh, when their names are announced. And there's always somebody that um, just has this priceless reaction. And and then it's great. Then the game, the, the game is, is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the new all-stars... They remember when they were they made 11, 12 star, twelve yeah. year old all stars in Little League, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm sitting next to Bryce Harper, and we're about to share a milkshake." Like just weird things like that, and then, and I think it's important for them to have that. But then once it wears off, I don't think it's bad. But it's nice to know that they did have that one moment where they're like, "This is pretty awesome." And to that point, I mean, a lot of these guys may have never really imagined themselves standing on the same field as potentially future Hall of Famers, right? You know, yeah. guys that they watched when they were coming up through baseball and, you know, maybe it was the guy that they would mimic in the backyard when they were playing with their friends or whatever, and now they're standing on the same team with them at the All-Star Game. So those are the kinds of things that I think are really cool, even if I think a lot of it gets a little gimmicky. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess that's that's part of, uh, that's part of putting on the show. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so... We've kind of been a little all over the place, um, but was there anything about the first half, um, whether it's cut four stuff that you guys had the chance to cover um, or just weird baseball stuff um, that, that stands out to you as far as great moments from the first half this year? Yeah, absolutely. Cut four specifically. I've, I've been trying to highlight a lot of women in the industry, um, and I'm trying to put forth that a little bit more. Uh, one of the first stories I did was about um, Emma Tiedemann, and she's the play-by-play announcer for the Lexington Legends. And she just randomly popped up on my timeline, and people were congratulating her on this job. And maybe two minutes later, I messaged her, and and I called her, and we, I wrote up this story about her. And she was just so cool and so just badass. And then when my show debuted, we were going to originally do it on a specific player. And in my first show that I wanted to do, I wasn't obsessed with the original script that we had written. And then uh, my my co- my colleague, who's also a producer for the show, said, why don't we write about Jenny Kavanaugh? Because I wrote about Jenny, and she, of course, was a play-by-play analyst, for, or what, did the first play-by-play telecast in 25 years for the Rockies. And, um, and I wrote about her, and I got a few quotes, and it was supposed to be this small little announcement. And I happened to get Thomas Harding involved. And then Thomas talked to Jenny. Jenny's really close to Dallas Braden. So I talked to Dallas about her. And it turned into this big thing. And it was one of my oh, my most read pieces. And Gemma, my colleague, said, why don't we make it Jenny for the first episode of Infinite Jess? And it wasn't even going to be a big thing. I was going to interview a couple of her colleagues until Jenny said, I would love to be on your show. And I was like, what? And so it turned into this whole thing. And I don't get like nervous around anyone. And I've, you know, been around some pretty cool people, but to have Jenny's phone number in my phone and get an interview, it was supposed to be an eight minute interview and ended up being 20 minutes. And I was so glad I got to talk about her. And not only just as like somebody I can look up to in the industry, she's just so warm and so kind and sweet. 
and I, I tend to just be kind of an asshole, and she was just great, and just to know that, like, okay, like, she reminds me to just take in the moments, and be sweet, and be nice, and, and that alone was great, so all the women in sports stuff that I've gotten to do has just reminded me why I do it, I have a a really cool job, but to know that, you know, I get DMs from young women saying, should I join the sports media world? And at first I'm like, no, it's really bad. Like, because they'll see my mentions and they're like, this is, I don't know how you do it. And, but then I, you know, I'll talk to them and, and that kind of reminds me, and I've spoken to classes about it. So as long as I'm able to, you know, take off some of the pressure and remind them like, it's not easy. Um, but sports media may not be for everyone. And I also tell them that too, just make sure you're doing what you want to do. Not just because you think, X, Y, and Z has a cute little Twitter profile and you want to do what she's doing. And I tell them every day, like, if you want to, you don't, don't be the next Katie Nolan. Don't be the next Sarah Spain. Sarah Spain and Katie Nolan are two of the best women in in the industry, but they're doing a great job being themselves. Be the first Mary Lou Freebush or whoever, like, or be the first Jessica Kleinschmidt. Just don't do that. So that, that to me was a huge personal goal, but to know that I got to that right out of the the gate um, this season was super important to me. And to know that Cut 4 was not only happy to edit my stuff, they, they they encouraged me and supported me. You know, they said this was a great story, and yes, we should absolutely do it. And that's the thing I love about working for MLB is they're so pro-women, and anytime I've had an issue, they've, they've handled it, and it's been great. So it's, that's probably been the, the main thing that I've absolutely loved this season. Well, uh, obviously, I uh, am personally invested in that story as well, so I was very excited to see that. Um, yeah. when, when your show came out and I think Jenny's amazing and yeah. I, uh, to have someone like that sort of as a, a champion for girls, um, right. looking up to anyone in this industry, I think is really great. So I mean, I, Emma and Jenny met too. They met at an, at a Reds game. And so obviously I, they were in front of Joey Votto. He didn't really see it, but like, <laughs> it was just like, this is better than any birthday present I could have ever had. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to take too much of your time, but I do want to get to one other thing because uh, we we had one other Twitter sort of question, not really question, more like topic suggestion uh, from a buddy of mine who happens to be the radio voice for the single A affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Nathan Beliva is a friend of mine and he very well knows my opinion on ballpark proposals. (laughs) Um, So he wanted to put it out there. Yeah, I know. (laughs) How much time we got? Um, so let me just start with this. I think what he wanted me to get to is what he probably just wants me to put out there publicly. And that is that I have said repeatedly, if I were dating someone who proposed to me at a ballpark, I would straight up tell them no. And he thinks that's hilarious. I don't know why. I don't think he believes me, but 100% straight up no. (laughs) So, so I, I agree. Um, and the reason why I dislike them so much is because it interrupts the game. And it's a public proposal, which I've never been proposed to except for every other day on Twitter, which doesn't count. Um, but when it, in public, like, that's a, that's too much pressure for the girl. Or if you want to be the woman to, to ask him, that's fine, too. Pro that, but don't do it at a ballpark. I just, I just feel like it's cheesy. I feel like you're making it about yourself, which, yes... You want to spend the rest of your life with this person. That's all well and good, but you're interrupting my chance to enjoy the love of my life. And here you are 
just try and interrupt this. And I have so many people now that I, it's well known that I hate the, the ballpark proposal in between a game. Like Carlos Correa did it after a game with the World Series type of ring of his own before he even got one. And, you know, the way that Kanye did it with Kim, that's fine, too. Nobody was at, at the field. There was nobody there. And you're not interrupting anything. That's what drives me nuts. And I, I not, it doesn't get me as mad as people running onto the field. That definitely interrupts play. But I just I think it's stupid. And I think it's, <laughs> no, that sounds really bad. Because people are always like, oh, is it because you're single and, like, upset? Like, no, no, no. That's not what it is. I think it's cheesy. And... Same thing. If I were dating somebody, he did. He'll probably do that to me just because he like I'm the type of person where they would like control me in that aspect. <laughs> I would say no. It's all like no, honey. You was doing this again, and it's not going to be here. Nice try, though. <laughs> yeah. So that's my thing, and I don't know if it's just happening more or if people are sending them more to you. But I notice it's happening so much more frequently, and it drives me nuts. And there's always somebody's like, why? Why you got to bash on people? Because I don't like them. I don't, you know. <laughs> People, I don't like hot dogs on mustard, but am I going to not talk to my friend because she or he put mustard on their hot dog? No, we all have our opinions. I don't like them. I think they're annoying and it's a travesty and it's a waste of time and it interrupts the game. And that's, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, I echo all of that. And I think yes. that, um, you know, every time I say something about it, again, there are people who get real worked up about me not liking ballpark proposals. Um, And look, you know what? If you know that that's the kind of thing that the person you're dating is going to be all about, then, I mean, I guess, like, that's, do you do you? But uh, I'm still not going to like it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I hosted a bridal shower and he proposed to his girlfriend at an AIDS game. But, like, good luck to them. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I just found out today on the Cardinals broadcast that new interim manager, Mike Schilt, uh, his dad proposed to his mom at a game. And I was like, well, there's the first thing I don't like about him. <laughs> there it goes. There wasn't there anything. Goes. There was nothing yeah. until then. And now there's yeah. the one thing on the list. Um, yeah. And then I had to clarify that that was intended as a joke because people get really angry on the Internet and... We don't need any of that. All right. Well, I wanted to make sure that we got to that because uh, I knew I would hear about it later um, <laughs> if we didn't bring it up. Um, but I don't want to take up any more of your time. And uh, there's baseball to be watched and, and stories to be told. So I will yeah. let you get back to it. But I appreciate you joining me today. First, thank you so much for having me, Terry. I appreciate it. Now, like I said, for the Cardinals, big changes, and there will be plenty of commentary from me, from everyone else over at Birds on the Black, and just about every other corner of Cardinals Nation in the coming days and weeks. But for now, take a break. Everyone take a breath. Let's all sort of reset. Enjoy the festivities of the All-Star Week, if that's your thing. And if not, just kind of, you know, do a little bit of a reset and uh, get ready for the second half, because it sounds like if you're a Cardinals fan, it will be at least interesting from here on out. And for those of you who are just baseball fans of another team or in general, plenty to look forward to in hopefully an exciting second half of baseball. Again, huge thank you to Jessica for joining me today. I had so much fun and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We'll maybe have her again on sometime. For Birds on the Black, I'm Tara Wellman. I'll see you next time.